0141-951-1025. It's time to talk football. It's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Good evening and welcome to Super Scoreboard. As Steve Clark says, there's work to be done with his Scotland squad to get to the Euros. Rod Petrie's confirmed as the new president of the Scottish FA and next season's Scottish Cup final will be before the end of the Premiership season. Yes, Alison, good night. And, uh, you know, Steve Clark saying we fluffed our lines and I think mm. he was talking about it 2-0 when we had that fantastic chance. McKenna, then Forrest. We had plenty of hard-working players. I thought we had great desire. I thought we had good discipline and plenty of heart. But unfortunately, we were totally outclassed by a top, top team. We expected nothing from the game. We got nothing. But Steve Clark's right. A lot of work still to be done. I'm Alison Conroy and joining me until 7 o'clock is Gordon DL. Remember, you can give us a call on 01419511025 or tweet us at Clyde SSB. Well, Steve Clark says there is plenty of room for improvement after that Euro qualifying defeat to Belgium. They lost 3-0 in Brussels last night, meaning we currently sit fourth in Group I and the manager admits it was a tough evening. I thought the commitment, the attitude, the, the tactical discipline of the players was, was excellent. The third goal at the end puts them slightly... In my opinion, I don't think we deserved the third goal at the end. I think the, the way we defended was was good. I could say the second goal was offside, which might have changed something. And obviously, conceding the, the, the first goal right on right on half-time was a, was a big blow for us. And I, I thought we did well to recover from that. The second goal was offside, but mm. really, would it have made any difference? <clears throat> no, I thought that uh, Belgium dominated the game from start to finish. Yes, we, had, we did have that. I would probably say two chances. I thought Burke early on yeah. had a terrific chance. I thought he should have done a lot better with that. Uh, McKenna, centre half, you know, if that's a centre forward going through there, one and one the goalkeeper, you're hoping that he's going to score then. Forrest takes a touch. But apart from that, we were the, the discipline was good, the shape was good. We parked the bus, as they call it, in football. And he's quite right to do that because he's up against world-class players you know, you look at Hazard last night, I thought he, you know, goes to Real Madrid for, what, 80 million or something like that. Mm. Absolutely unplayable at times. So that was the difficulty we had. And I thought that, Steve Clark's right, if he gets to half-time nil-nil, what a difference in your team talk. What a difference in that dressing room. All of a sudden you say, we've still got something to hang on to. We switched off. We lost concentration and when you do that against top players, they punish you. That's what happened. The minute that goal went in, game over for me. I was sitting watching it and I just turned and said, how good will this be? We get to half-time, nil-nil, bang, 1-0. Yeah, and I think Steve Clark would have been the exact same. He'd have been saying, just get to half-time now. We can get in, we can regroup, we can have a chat, we can be positive. Uh, I've been there as a manager in a, in a cup final and you, you're looking at the watch and you're thinking, right, get to half time and your team talk goes completely different when they score right on that final whistle. That is an absolute killer for us. And uh, I thought we could have defended it better. I thought we switched off. I think Steve Clark would be disappointed with that because he's set up to be very defensive, yep. Alison. You know that he obviously works in that, he works in the shape. You can see that last night. I can't argue about his team. You know, the big talking point was Robertson missing. Massive losses. But young Taylor, I thought, was absolutely terrific. 
in his debut I thought he'd come in there and he looked very comfortable but we were just outclassed with a different different team they were absolutely brilliant on the ball well, it isn't long till we play Belgium again. The next qualifiers are against Russia and Belgium at Hamden in September. Steve Clark says he's encouraged by what he's seen during his first spell with the squad. My overall impression is that what I saw over the 10 days is I've got a really good group of players who are really committed uh, to their country. They want to get better, they want to improve. We were competitive in that game tonight against the best team in the world, uh, ranked number one. So... A lot of positives, but obviously we're professionals and we don't like to lose the game. Well, I think that we've shown uh, with the work that we've done in this 10-day camp that there, there are improvements. There's room for more improvement. We have to be better with the ball. When we have the ball, we defend well, but we have to be better when we, when we have the ball. So we have things to work on, but I think the overall feeling that I've got is that we've grown a little bit as a, as a squad of players already. And the next camp we should grow again because, as you say, two vital home qualifiers for us against the, the two favourites to come out of the group. So we have to be ready for that. Do you agree with Steve Clark there that there has been improvements? That there are a lot of improvements still to make. He's been focusing more on the defensive side, but we need that number nine. I totally agree with me. Number nine, yep. uh, we're crying out for it, Alison. A number nine dictates where you play. If you can it's get, it's not a- just about putting the ball. No, no, if you can get a, a centre forward You look at Lukaku last night mm. He links up the play He brings the midfield into play He brings his wide men in as well So he gets Belgium up the park We don't have that We were looking for Burke For the space over the top To use for his pace To be fair to him He's a wide man He's not a centre forward I thought he should have done a little bit better With his chance I think he, he just panicked a little bit Just get put your foot through And hit the target You've got a great chance of scoring. But I think the shape looked good. I th- you know, you could see he's worked on it. Remember, this guy's just in the door. He's not had a lot of time to work on and put his ideas over what he wants. Cyprus, I thought, we were very poor. Uh, but we got the three points. We didn't expect anything last night, Alison. We really didn't. It was a free hit in a sense that it's yeah. the number one team in the world. Yeah, there was absolutely no chance that you would think that Scotland could go there under a new manager who's not had time to really put his 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 ideas into the players and tell them exactly what he wants. He's worked with them, double session, yes, but not enough time. And you go up against the quality that we went up against last night. Three nil, I don't I disagree with uh, Steve Clark. If I was the Belgian manager, I would be saying three nil actually flattered Scotland. I thought Belgium on the ball at times were absolutely brilliant and I thought Dave Marshall had a terrific game Remember you can give us a call 01419511025 Craig and Cumbernauld done just that and I think Craig you agree with what Gordon's just said about the scoreline I do yeah uh, I, also, uh, Gordon, I, I fully agree with what Gordon's just said about this. I mean let's be honest here we were lucky we didn't get the same type of tanking that Thailand's women go after the USA Not quite the 13 thankfully Yeah <laughs> Not quite, but you know, when you consider that they had twenty plus shots, yeah, we had was it like two? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it was quite clear. You know, there seems to be an idea that somehow you know we we played relatively well and we got a good game, and maybe you know I heard last night people mentioning um, how you know maybe the second goal was offside, and I was just thinking that makes no difference because we were well and truly beaten. But my problem with it all is that. I don't understand when the mentality of Scotland changed. 
when not just the, the, the club and the managers and coach staff but the fans and pundits alike because we used to go into these games and these teams would very seldom run us over the way that Belgium did you know you look at in the last 10 years um, in fact even between 2006 and 2012 in a six year period we had beaten France twice a team who were runners up in the World Cup we only got beaten by Italy because it has to be one of the most dodgy refereeing decisions you'll ever see we took Spain to the limit at the time we played them they had won both the Euros and the previous World Cup um, you know we used to have real hope and belief and spirit about the squad going into these, these games that yes they were going to be tough yes we were more likely not going to get anything but we never used to go into them expecting to be absolutely run over and I think you know, yeah, that's Steve Clark's second game in charge. But the fact that that mentality seems to have completely shifted over the last few years, with you know, just at the last stages of Gordon Strachan and McLeish, and just now, I think that that's something that's got to change. Yeah, with a disappointing results against the smaller teams, and you'd have to argue. Um, in the last 10 years it's results against small teams that have actually cost us places yeah. um, because we've, we've had plenty of points off of the bigger teams so I don't know why we're now supposed to be sitting and being frightened and scared of going playing these teams when we know we've got a history a very proud history actually of taking the game these teams know when they come to Hamden or when we go and visit them they're not going to get an easy game nowadays I mean they're just running all over the top is, and I can't like I say I don't know when that mentality shifted but it's got to change Gordon, does that come with, does the lack of belief come with the fact that we've maybe not had these results and it's constantly, the players are constantly reminded that we've not qualified for so long and is that mm. something that Steve Clark needs to work on as well? That belief needs to be instilled back into these players? I take, I take on board what Craig's saying about the hope and spirit that we had years and years ago. Mm. But it's completely different now. It shouldn't really be, but there's a new manager in there and, and, and Craig's saying, well, we shouldn't be frightened of them. Now, being in the game and watched the game last night, I think Steve Clark. yes, we parked the bus. Yes, we did. We were as negative as I've ever seen. We hoped to hit Belgium on the counter-attack with the pace of Burke. But you're up against a side that's full of absolute quality. And sometimes it doesn't matter what you do, Alison. You're just outplayed. You've got better players against you. And that's exactly what happened last night. If we had to come out and tried to be open and, and, and went toe-to-toe with Belgium. Craig's right. It would have been a 13-0. They mm. would have absolutely destroyed us. So Steve Clark, I think, was right to go there and be defensive. I think what Craig's saying is, you know, I totally understand, but we have to give this guy time to get in, get his feet in under a desk, Work on what he wants to do. How much time does he have, though, in the sense that we want to qualify for these Euros? I don't... Uh, yeah, I think it's next year. Mm. I think it's a playoff. Uh I don't think you're looking at as we're sitting in fourth just now, Alison. We've got three points. We've got two home games against Belgium and Russia. I don't think we'll get anything off Belgium. I just think they've got too much quality for us, whether they play us at Hamden or not. Um I think we've got sneaky against Russia. Yeah, you know it could be. It could be very interesting. But I don't think we're going to qualify through this group. I think it's got to be next year in the playoff. Craig, do you agree with that? Do you think it's playoffs? I think so. I think so. I think um, you know. I think when I, when I look at the group, it's a very very tough group. I think the playoff has to be the aim. Of course, you never know who you're going to play in, in, in the playoffs. It could be that people are playing. Um, 
you know, I think it's is it Norway just now we're playing mm-hmm. in the semi final. Um, if they manage to qualify, it'll be Bulgaria. Now, we can absolutely go toe to toe with countries like Norway and Bulgaria, and then even when it gets to the final, you don't know who you'll be playing. I'd be worried if we managed to get past one of these those two teams, and it ended up being Serbia that we played, which is entirely possible because I think we'd have a tough time. But that group, where Russia are concerned, I actually don't think there's that much of a gulf between us and Russia. You know, I think we're very near on par. They were in the last World Cup, not because they qualified, because they hosted it. Um, And yes, they played very, very well, and they are a very good side, but I don't see any reason why Hamden, we can't get anything off them. But I think think part of the reason, to go back to the mentality thing, that that's came down a bit as well, is I I honestly think the quality that's in uh, our top flight just now, I think has slightly lessened. I don't think the comp- it's still competitive, but I don't think it's as competitive as it was going back sort of um, ten years ago. Because you look at it, um, players like James Forrest and Callum McGregor, who are absolutely terrific players, when they're playing with Celtic, because of how dominant Celtic have been, and all credit to them, you know they've not really faced that many really difficult challenges within Scotland and even in Europe. They're not getting far in there. So when you've got main players in your team who aren't getting the kind of quality of opposition that they need to be to be competing at a higher level, I think that has a, an impact as well. Now, what gets done about that, I don't know. Obviously, Aberdeen Rangers could all improve to come up to Celtic's level, but I don't even think that would be enough. I think players like McGregor and Forrest have got to be looking at moves away from Celtic and into bigger and better leagues if we're to, to have... Because to be honest, and Forrest missed that chance last night. It was uncharacteristic, mm-hmm. but he looked at, like a bit, a bit like a rabbit in the headlights when it came. Him, he mm-hmm. just sort of, he looked as if he didn't know what to do. I don't, he didn't need to take the touch. He should have just shot. But I don't know. I think I don't like saying it because I, I absolutely rate Forrest to the moon. But I think actually the pressure might have got to him a bit when that chance fell him um, last night, and not just him, Barkin and McKenna as well. Craig, Craig, I don't uh, understand that, but I don't, I don't think pressure would have got to James Forrest last night. He's used to playing in the yeah. I just, I just think he made the wrong decision. And I was reading in the papers today, Alison. He actually came out after the game and said, "You know, I shouldn't have taken a touch." Sometimes the ball comes to you so quick, you don't have that time to make your mind up. Mm -hmm. And it was just one of those nights that it came to him that quick that he decided, "I want to take a touch." And it was a wrong decision. I don't think it was anything to do with nerves that got to him because I think that boy is good enough to play anywhere against anybody without being nervous. Thank you to Craig in Cumbernauld. Andy and Alexandra has given us a call as well. And you slightly disagree. You think we could have maybe taken something? Yeah, I think everybody's playing Scotland down. Um, I've got a couple of wee points about the game. The yeah. pre-match uh, build-up to the game was, I think it was about disrespectful. I don't know if it was a publicity stunt to promote the game by the Belgian players wearing uh, cults and trying to uh, play bagpipes and things like that. I think that was a wee bit of disrespectful, didn't it? Uh, to me, it left a bad taste in my mouth. Um, and another thing about Belgium, they're number, ranked number one in the world. They're, not, they're far from being the best team in the world. Um, I don't know why. The, the rankings are stupid in my idea because they don't, they don't reflect the, the two the true best club or the true best uh, team in the world. I know they've got good players, but they've not won anything in their history. So until they've actually done that, I can't see, I, I don't know see why people call Belgium a great team. They have great individual players, but they've not got a great team. They've not won anything yet. 
Um, Scotland last night as well, I said it'd been a wee bit more offensive. I think we could have got something out of that game. We, we sat in far too deep and, and let Belgium come on to us. And a team like that, it's just, just a matter of time before the break is down. So when we did actually get up the field a wee bit, we, we actually we, we created a couple of chances we should have took. Uh, we should have at least had one go anyway. Um, and I just think we showed them too much respect. Because um, the, the pre-match build-up was this great team, number ranked, number one in the world and all that. I don't think I don't think Belgium are going to win anything in the next couple of years. And a lot of the players in Belgium are actually come to the end of their careers age-wise. So I just want to see what you think of that. Well, Andy, uh, I disagree with you in the fact that we could have got something. If we'd have went toe-to-toe with Belgium last night, we would have got tanked, as they say in Scotland. We would have got tanked. I'm not really saying... I'm not really you, saying toe-to-toe I'm, I'm, I'm saying that we should, should have been a, bit, a wee bit more offensive You can, you can only do that You can only do that Andy if you've got the ball If you look at I know that I hate stats right I've always argued with stats in this programme But if you look at Belgium last night They had 71% of the possession Now You can't do anything if you've not got the ball And they are very comfortable in the ball Now you might be right They might never win And I disagree I think they're good enough to win something because I think they've got quality all over the park now. Even their bench has got quality coming on. Um, I just think that Steve Clark was totally right to go and try and part the bus because he could have got in at half time nil nil, and everybody would have said absolutely fantastic. But we switched off and we get punished, and all of a sudden that game changed at half time, and that was a big big problem for us. But I don't. I think like everybody else I think you've got to sometimes say We get beat with a far better team Thank you to Andy and Alexandra For his call This is Clyde One at Super Scoreboard And we'll hear from Greg Taylor After the travel with Amber Clyde One Super Scoreboard With Thompson's Personal Injury Solicitors Compensation They know the score Talk to Thompson's.com Gordon Dale here with me, Alison Conroy tonight on Clyde One Super Scoreboard. You can give us a call 01419511025. Go back on to the phones in a minute. But Greg Taylor says making the step up to international football was an honour he'll never forget. The command defender took the place of injured captain Andy Robertson against Belgium last night and he hopes they can build on their performances. Over the moon to make my Scotland debut. Uh, it's a dream come true for myself. Um, but it was a tough, tough game. I thought we actually competed well at times. Uh, concentration, definitely. It's the world's best team for a reason. You know they're always making movements off the ball. You've just got to be switched on. I felt we did that. For 45 minutes, we'd, it's 0-0 and we lose a goal just before half-time, which is a bad time to lose it. But we're still in the game. And um, as the gaffer touched on in the changing room, we're at 2-0 down, we've got a massive chance. And if we take that, we can put them under pressure for the last five minutes. So uh, we're gutted. It's um, a level above club level, is that safe to say. But it's the games you want to play in. When uh, Andy obviously was out with a wee injury and uh, when the gaffer gave me an order, I was delighted. It's the games, as I said, you want to play in. Unfortunately, we're all off the back of a bad result. We'll come back in September and uh, hopefully go and pick up a couple of positive results. What a time to make your Scotland debut against Belgium. Yeah, it'll never replace Andy Robertson because yeah. of the quality that Absolutely. Robertson's got. But you've got to give credit to the lad. He was thrown in there. Uh, massive game against the players of that quality. I thought he handled it brilliantly. I really did. I didn't think he looked, uh, looked out of place. Uh, Steve Clark come out and said, well, I've just told him to go out and play left back. And the boy responded to that. He was part of a Scotland team that worked very hard, but unfortunately they were just up against players that were too good for them. Alec in Parkhead's given us a call. Good evening, Alec. Hi, Alison. Hi, Gordon. Hi, Alec. Oh. 
Aye, listen to that last caller there. Steve Clark could do could do the only one thing that he could do, and that was part of the bus. Because let's be honest, if Celtic were to get beat, sorry, if Scotland were to get beat five, six, or seven 0 last night, which it could easily have been, there would have been people calling for his head today. So three 0 was a respectable scoreline. Uh, the caller, the last caller that was on, saying that you know Scotland could have maybe have got something. Nay, way. It's getting. It's going to. It's going to get harder for Scotland probably to ever qualify for a major tournament. And it, the same way as it's getting, like say for Celtic to try and qualify for the Champions League, things are just getting harder and harder and harder. I do. I do agree with you, Alec. That especially after Saturday with uh, Steve Clark's debut at Hamden, I thought Scotland were poor and we were. We got away with it mm-hmm. with uh, with the Burt's goal. Uh, there's no doubt we got away with that. So, yeah, if they went there last night and lost five or six, criticism would be incredible. But the lad's just in the job. He's got to assess the squad. He's got to look at different players. He's got to look at systems. He's got to work in that. He needs time. And I think that once he gets that time, we were a bit organi- a better organised last night. I thought, you know, just looking at the shape, he's obviously worked on it. The back four were working on it. Mm. We switched off, Alison. At half just before half time, we, everybody stopped because we thought the ball was going out of play and we got absolutely punished. And the minute they punished us, then it was game over. They were too good for us. Alec, do you want to come back in? I oh, just going back to Monday's show. I tried to go on a Monday when the Ewan was on. And he was saying that, you know, he fancies Rangers to, to win the league. No. Who says to him, well, what are you basing it on? He says, oh, it's, it's, just, it's just a feeling that I've got. Now, I remember the last time that two pundits had that feeling was Derek Johnson and, uh, and Hugh Keevans when Brendan Rodgers came in and the two of them backed, I think it was Cassini at the time. And we know what mm-hmm. happened then. So if the guy's going to, to be quite honest, I listen to the guy and, I, and he just makes me laugh. And I can't take him serious. If he's going to make a statement like that, he's going to need to try and back up. You can't just say they'll win the league. If you asked him uh, an easy question, why? He never, he never had an answer, you know what I mean? It's got, I think it's going to be great next season, definitely. To be quite honest, I just can't wait till it starts again. Well, Alec, I think that you've got to be fair to you. He's got his opinion. It's and all he's, about opinions. Yeah, he's entitled to that. And he's quite right to come out and say what he thinks and uh, applaud him for that. I totally look at, you know, listen to Alec's point there. If you ask me just now, Alison, I said last season, the right away, thought Celtic won the league because I looked at their squad. I looked at the players that was available to Brendan Rodgers. Uh, I looked at the manager. But now it's all about waiting to see at the beginning of the season who's got the strongest squad. Then you can base your opinion on that. Alec, I just want to get your reaction to this, something that's just broken right now and Motherwell have agreed a fee with Celtic for David Turnbull. Oh, that's amazing. Is, it, is that just broken the new eye? Yep. Right, I'm totally delighted with that. It's quite... The boys the, the boys got it in his locker and without added, any added pressure, whatever, he could he could be in that Celtic midfield for a long time. I'm not... Obviously, there's a certain guy, Mr Brun, that's, that's obviously getting a wee bit on. Not going to put that on him, but... The, He's a player. He's definitely he's good. I'm delighted with that. I'm yeah, delighted. if he agrees, he's been given permission to speak to the club. So 
if what Motherwell has said is should the deal go through, the value of the transfer will vastly exceed our previous record fee received, Gordon. That's something that Motherwell were very sure of, that they yeah. wanted that money. Yeah, they stuck by their guns. Uh, they knew what the boy's worth was, and I totally agree with Alan Burroughs at Motherwell. I would have been the exact same. Well, you know, a couple of million was, was mentioned, Alison, but for Motherwell, that is a lot of money, and they stuck by it, and they said, no, we're, we want more money for them. We don't know exactly the fee. I've got to say, I think that's a terrific signing for Celtic. I really do. He's 19. I think he got something like 15 goals last season. He was brilliant for Motherwell. He got sports writers, young player of the year, deservedly so. Um, you know, a lot of talk will be, will he get in there? And like, you know, sometimes players get loaned out to other clubs. I don't think he will. I think he's too good for that. I think he'll be a massive part of the Celtic first team squad next season. And I think that is a great piece of business because he's like McGinn. You look at McGinn, I'm not talking about going to Celtic. He went to Aston Villa for four million or whatever it may be. What is he worth now? He's worth a lot of money. I think that for Celtic, it's not just a great signing, it's a great investment. Absolutely. So David Turnbull looks to be on his way to Celtic. He'll discuss terms after Motherwell agreed a fee with Celtic. Remember, you can give us a call about that, 01419511025. Thanks to Alec in Parkhead for his call. We've now got Gary in Shettleson. Gary, you're also a Celtic fan. Can I get your reaction to that news? I think it's great news. I think, uh, I think the boy could be the next Scott Brown. Gary, just to say The one thing that he's got And he's very lucky You said he could be the next Scott Brown He'll be training every day with Scott Brown He'll be in the dressing room with Scott Brown I think Scott Brown will be passing on Every bit of experience to David Turnbull And I think he can only help the young lad Aye. I'll get to my main point Gordon Yeah a right strong manager for Scotland so we do. Uh, Steve Clark might be that man. He looks at him now anyway. We bring in the, the Kamarnock boys in that. Uh, but the call offs I'm not even going to name names or anything like that. See if these players don't want to play for Scotland. Or phone up saying that their granny passed away or I don't know what they say, right? But anyway, need a strong manager in there saying, like, don't want to play for us. Don't pick them. Just don't pick them. Steve Clark's already come out and said that You know the retired ones That sometimes say right Okay I'm going to retire They look at the manager It's always the manager that gets the blame And then when a new manager comes in They come out of retirement And they go and play again international football Steve Clark's already come out and stated that And said look I will not be chasing these people They've got yeah. to want to play for Scotland I think Steve Clark has come in with that Intention of saying if you want to play with Scotland, you've got to come here and show me. You've got to turn up to training. You've got to turn up to whatever game it may be and show the commitment. And I think players will do that under Steve Clark. Great. Uh, uh, what I hope it is, he's a good strong manager. He's not going to pick players. Uh, just because maybe they're better than other players. But if these players are, are showed up last night, Greg Taylor and that, they've done a great job. They've and gel them together instead of chopping changing it get a strong structure in there I've no doubt that that's what Steve Clark's looking to do um, I think that he just wanted these two games really out the road he got the result against Cyprus 
that we were all expecting. He didn't get the result against Belgium, which I think we were all expecting. So he's now got time to reflect mm-hmm. on his squad and everything that's going on. He's just new into the job. And I think that's the way Steve Clark will go. He's his own man and he makes big decisions like last night, Greg Taylor. And when he got interviewed, I love the way he answered it when the the the, the guy asked him, what are you going to do, Greg Taylor? What did you tell him? And he says, play left back. Simple. That's the way you want it. And I think he's just a strong leader. And I think he'll get better and better. And I think he will organise us better. And I think we'll be a better side. Thank you to Gary for his call. I just want to go a little bit further into this statement that Mother will have put out about David Turnbull. Of course, they have agreed a fee with Celtic for the sale of David Turnbull. They say they've rejected several seven-figure offers for David in recent weeks with clubs the length and breadth of the UK speaking to them about him. It's clear that we... It's clear from the fee that we stand to receive max, fully maximises his potential value. We've continued to stand by what we believe is a fair value for David. In light of the negotiating stance we've adopted, the money we stand to receive will be transformational for us as we continue to operate as a fan-owned club. We can speculate that it'll be around £3 million, mm-hmm. which for a club like Motherwell, who are fan-owned, fan-owned of course, that's a massive, massive change for them. Unbelievable, Alison. Life-changing for Motherwell. Mm. It really is. And well done to Motherwell. Well done to Alan Burrows. He's he's doing a terrific job there. Uh, he loves the club. He knows how the clubs run. Um, and he, he's stuck by his guns because for a club like Motherwell, for a first bid to come in round about, say, £2 million, right? Which is which is a massive amount of money as well. Yeah, and he said no. They've stand, yeah. stood firm. He stood firm for it and he believed in the fact that David Turnbull was worth more than that. And well done to him. And it's a great bit of business for both clubs, Celtic and Motherwell. Both will be very, very happy. A massive loss for Motherwell in terms of personnel and in terms of players because they're not going to replace like for like. But manager Stephen Robinson's always been very open about that. They're, they're a selling club. They they bring players in, they nurture them, they progress, they move on. You, you look at the likes of Louis Moult and as mm. well. They, they stay for so long. I think I think the turning point for Steve Robertson and Motherwell was they decided at one point to have faith in the youth. Yeah. They brought in guys like Hasty, for instance. Turnbull come in there, Campbell's in there. And these boys have been absolutely terrific. Not just that, you've got to give all the way down, you know, the Craigans, McManus was there, Celtic now it's Celtic. Guys that worked with these young players. Nurtured them, helped them, believed in them, kept them going. They eventually get in the first team and they showed that they could go and play at that level. And it just shows you at 19 years of age, Celtic have come in for Turnbull. I think Celtic have come in because they don't want another John McGinn scenario. Mm -hmm. They know he's good enough. They know he's value for money. Let's get him in and great bit of business by both clubs. Absolutely. So that is the the breaking news on the show tonight is that David Turnbull set to move to Celtic after a fee was agreed. Some other transfer news. Glenn Middleton, Gordon, looks like he could be heading out on a season-long loan from Rangers. Doncaster Rovers is a potential club for him. Nothing agreed as yet. Yeah, I'm not surprised at that. Um, He was mostly on the bench last year, Alison. And after a season of that, you've got to start playing. You've got to develop and I think that Rangers have looked at that and said, right, we're going to bring in more players. If you look at the wide areas, Rangers have got a lot of players in the wide areas. So he's obviously went down the pecking order a little bit. 
And the best thing for Middleton is Because he is a good talent He's a very very good player yeah. Rangers fans love him Is get him out there Get him a season under his belt Playing week in week out I'll only improve the lad And he'll come back a better player No movement on Ryan Kent But Rangers I'm told are still hopeful That a deal could be done With the winger Who was of course there on loan last season from Liverpool yeah young player a year in Scotland uh, he was terrific I'm sure you can that... understand why they want to hold on of course of course and I think the Rangers fans will be desperate for that news uh, that Kent may come back but usually when a player from the big clubs in England come up to Scotland for a season when they go back down the road to their parent clubs they tend to get put out to maybe championship clubs you look at you know Kent is a very very talented player and I'm sure a lot of clubs in England, big clubs, I'll be looking at them thinking, we could take him for a year's loan. So it's stopped to Liverpool, but the one thing that Rangers have got in their favour is Stephen Gerrard. This is Clyde One at Super Scoreboard. We'll hear from SFA Chief Executive Ian Maxwell after the travel with Amber. Clyde One Super Scoreboard with Thompson's Personal Injury Solicitors, a team that gets results every week. Talk to Thompson's.com. Clyde One Super Scoreboard until 7 o'clock. Gordon DL here with me, Alison Conroy in the studio. A bit of Twitter reaction, Gordon, to David Turnbull looking like on the verge of going to Celtic a fee agreed with Motherwell um, Toddy Celtic fans saying nice to see the money staying in the Scottish game well played Motherwell Jimmy Grimble another Celtic fan well done Celtic spending big in Scottish terms to secure top Scots talent stays in Scotland and that's a big point as well mm-hmm. you look at the talent of David Turnbull he is now staying at a Scottish club while a Scottish club are getting a record fee yeah, it's brilliant. And I said that earlier, Alison, for both clubs, I think for Motherwell to get that sort of money, a record fee now. I think Phil O'Donnell was the one before that that went to Celtic as yeah, well. Yeah, 250,000. Uh, I don't know exactly what the, the fee was, but I know he was a record one. Um, now Turnbull's went to Celtic. I think it's a great move for a boy. I think that Motherwell fans will be gutted that you know, Celtic have come in and pinched one of their be- well, probably their best youngster. Uh, Rangers come in pinched Hasty 1.75 you know? yeah I thought I mean. it was yeah and Hasty come in and uh, Rangers come in and pinched Hasty as well uh, but that's what happens when you're a club you know like Motherwells and the Hamiltons and teams like that if you've got good young players then the big clubs will come and when offer that sort of money you cannot refuse that and it's fantastic business for Alan Burrows and Motherwell I'm delighted for them because they put a lot of work into their youth and I think it's great business for Celtic to get one of the best young players in Scottish football into their club. Another couple of questions on Twitter. Will we be staying at the club or will we be going out on loan? We wouldn't think that a player like David Turnbull would be signed to go out on loan. I don't think for a minute that David Turnbull will go out on loan. I think he's good enough to go and play. Uh, whether he... I don't know how many games that Neil Lennon will look at him coming in and playing from the start. But I think he'll be a big part of the squad, Alison. You know Celtic are overloaded with midfield players So there's a bit of competition in there for him But I think the boy is confident enough I think he's good enough I think he'll just fit in there perfectly Now it was the Scottish FA AGM today Rod Petrie confirmed as the new president At that meeting Alawa chairman Mike Mulraney has been appointed as vice president Chief executive Ian Maxwell spoke to the media after the AGM And he thinks that Petrie is the right appointment he will bring a huge amount of experience, a huge amount of work ethic, a huge amount of desire to see Scottish football do well. Um, 
really delighted to be working with him going forward. I think he's probably the most misunderstood man in Scottish football. He has an absolute desire to see the association progress and Scottish football progress. And I think he'll play a huge part in that going forward. The news hasn't been met with excitement or enthusiasm from Scottish football fans. Yeah, basically watch a space, Alison. Uh, but you listen to Ian Maxwell, he's got plenty of confidence in him. He believes it's the right appointment. Rod Petrie has been about, he has got bags of experience. It'll be interesting to see what he brings. And, um, you know, I think all eyes will be focused on the appointment. The criticism has always been that the, the Scottish FA aren't moving forward quickly enough. Are, are appointments like this, is this where the criticism from the fans comes from, that they're sticking with these these people that have been in the SFA for so long and the fans are looking for a fresh approach? Well, yes, yeah, you can argue that point, but uh, Petrie's been about for so long, as you said, mm-hmm. that he knows everything about it inside Hamden. Uh, I think that the SFA have got to take the plaudits. They move very quickly for Scotland manager, Steve Clark. Yep. Uh, so that was a good bit of business. So, yes, Ian Maxwell's trusted there to go and do a job. He believes that Petrie is the right guy, but only time will tell, Alison. I know that people will be for and there'll be people against Next season's Scottish Cup final will be earlier on May the 9th. That's two weeks before the end of the Premiership season. But Chief Exec Ian Maxwell says it shouldn't be a surprise. There's a hold-off period for the pitch. We're not allowed any activity on the pitch for a period before the first Euro match. We've known that since we agreed to host matches. Um, and so we're bringing the Scottish Cup final forward. But I don't I don't see that being of any real issue to any of the clubs in terms of fitting an early in the domestic season. I think 2002 was the last time that the Scottish Cup final was before the end of the season. Ian Maxwell says it shouldn't make any difference. Do you see it making any difference? I suppose the argument is that your showpiece game should be at the end of the season, but it is because of the Euros. Well, as a as a pundit now that goes to the games, it won't make any difference to yeah. me. If I was a player and I was in a team like Celtic Rangers, Aberdeen or Hearts that you expect maybe to get to the Cup final... I think as a player that it's the last game of the season. I know that they get the the, the playoff on the Sunday, but that's a big last game of the season. It's a showpiece game, Alison, and I think it's always nice to go and play in a Scottish Cup final. And if you can win it, then you go on your holidays in a real good mood. But I don't think that for us guys and the supporters, as long as your team's in it, you don't mind when it is. As a flip side, I suppose, when, when we look at teams playing so many games and players not getting a rest, if the cup final's two weeks earlier, mm. if everything else is decided, say a league's been won or whatever, it actually gives clubs a bit of a chance to give their players a longer rest. Yeah, there's always positives and negatives to everything and uh, decisions, but it's a de- decision that has to be made. Uh, Ian Maxwell's explained the reason why. Mm-hmm. So it's the 9th of May... We'll be looking forward to it. I don't know who's going to be in it yet. I'll decide that when I see the squad. You've not got a prediction for who who will Not not at this moment. I'm not like you and I don't jump in with both feet. (laughs) I've got to wait to the beginning of the season. You've got to wait till the semi-finals are done. Yeah, I'll wait till the semi-finals with two minutes to go and then decide. But, um, no, I think that obviously it's a must for us now. We've got to do it. Let's go on with it and I'll look forward to it. It's of course a big week for the Scotland women's team as well they play Japan on Friday night and Peter in Helensburg has given us a call about the women's team hello Peter hello Peter hello can oh, you hear me we've got you now yes <laughs> hi how are you doing good thank you uh, no um, I just want to say about the women I actually watched the 
USA game last night. Yeah, 13-0. Um, uh, yeah, 13-0. <laughs> and, um, well, my, my point about the whole game as a whole, um, I, I just think there's a lot of negative press about the women's game. And it, it's just, there's a lot of expectation on it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's hard for people to get an interest um, in women's football. Because it's like, I mean, for example, it's like the man's game. It's If I said to you, oh, let's go watch the under-18, you know, you're not going to know who the best players are and who the best teams are. And um, I think with the women's game, there is there is a lot of good teams. Like, when we're talking about the World Cup, you've got America um, and England um, who have brilliant teams. But, of course, you're going to have four teams as well. Um, you know, like we've seen America play last night. Yeah. Um, I, I just think it's unfair to say to the nation that, oh, um, nobody's interested in the women's game. It's sexism and um, it should be just as thought of as much as a man's game. And although it's true, I mean, it'd be brilliant. You know, I've got two daughters and I, I want to see the women's game um, mm. get to the same level as the guys' game. Um but I just think it's unfair to expect everyone to have the same interest um, immediately when, you know, you don't know who the superstars are of the women's game. Yeah, P- Peter's got a point. We we don't, as a nation, know as much mm-hmm. about women's football. Japan are one of the very strong teams, and you wouldn't think that in terms of world football, but in terms of women's football, Japan are one of the stronger teams as well. But we don't know as much about it, the USA are, are the World Cup holders, they're the strongest, they won 13-0 last night, but it's about educating and it's something that's going to take a while. Yeah, and I've been in the game a long time, Alison, mm-hmm. and I couldn't tell you a lot about the women's game, but the one thing that's grabbed me this um, over the last couple of weeks is the build-up to this. You look at, for instance, Sunday, I think there was a lot of people that's not interested in the women's game would have sat down and watched England and Scotland. Yeah, I thought it was exciting, I thought it was a good game, I watched Japan and Argentina as well, and obviously they're in our group. Um, the only thing, the only downside of it is when you see the USA, who are very strong favourites to win this, they've been the best team, 13-0. You know, that's not the sort of games that you'd want to watch. Um, <laughs> but I think it's the World Cup, I think it's still exciting. Um, and as I said, a lot of people that don't have any knowledge of the game... I think we're excited to go and watch Sunday night's game. Mm-hmm. And um, as I say, it's just about grasping it. And um, I'm going to watch uh, Scotland uh, against Japan and Argentina. And I'm going to support them because I quite enjoy it, Alison. I really do. But I don't like to see the 13 nils. I just I don't like to see that. Peter, I take it you've been taking a few of the games in then, have you? Uh, yeah. No, I watched the Scotland-England game um, like yourself and... Um, I, I was quite interested in that and as I said like last night I know it was a big scoreline last night and obviously very heavily one-sided but I would actually say for value for entertainment that was more fun and enjoyable to watch than the Scotland game was mm-hmm. Peter the only thing I'll say the, man game, sorry. the only thing I'll say is you said that there's not a lot of interest in it you just shows you before they went to the World Cup at Hamden, what was it, seventeen, eighteen thousand people? Yeah. So that turned out for it for a game. So it shows you that it is building. Um people are taking an interest in it. Um even the fact that 
you know, the show last night, we had callers on saying Shelley Kerr could be the next Scotland manager. Maybe not the next, but maybe... Well, in the future. But, but the fact that it's being mentioned, uh-huh. I suppose, is what you take from it, that people are recognising what Shelley Kerr's got and the ability she's got as a coach. We're not saying that she's going to be you know, the next top manager in Scotland because, as we discussed last night, it would take a brave chief executive to do that. But you've got a point. The fact that she's doing so well means that people yeah, are actually people sitting are talking, up and going... Yeah. yeah, people are talking about her. And I think that's why that there are people out there now taking an interest in the women's football. And I think rightly so. And uh, as I say, I'll be tuning in. I think it's Friday night. Friday Friday afternoon, 2 Friday o'clock afternoon. kick-off. I'll, yeah. I'll be tuning in to that. I'll be looking forward to that. And is it SF, you're right, they, they had to grasp this opportunity to, to big up the Scotland women's team as they make history. Yeah, well, going to the World Cup, Alison. Uh, our national men's team can't achieve that. And uh, we've got to give them all the support, all the backing. I thought they were terrific against England. I really did, because England, I think, are seeded number three. Big favourites to win it. But let's hope for Scotland and uh, they can qualify. And that's about it for tonight. David Turnbull discussing terms with Celtic after Motherwell accept a record fee for their young midfielder. I'm back tomorrow night with Mark Wilson. Remember, you can keep up to date with everything that's happening on Twitter at Clyde SSB and online at Clyde1.com. Callum Gallagher is up next. Clyde One Super Scoreboard with Thompson's Personal Injury Solicitors. Win the compensation you deserve. Talk to Thompson's.com.